Thank you so much. And, uh, thank God for allowing us to have this time uh, this day, this week, and that we uh, might use it wisely. And uh, we're going to deal with tonight, again, back in First Timothy 5, and we're getting uh, kind of down toward the end of First Timothy, but it, we still got a little ways to go. But we've been talking about uh, the elders and the, the elder women, the widows, that uh, Timothy might uh, get involved with as they do the work for Christ uh, there, and, and that Paul was instructing Timothy in these things, and to allow him or to let him know that uh, maybe that he needs to step on the gas a little bit from time to time, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But tonight's study is 149 in the study of wisdom. And I often wondered why, after Timothy hearing all these wonderful things that Paul was putting forth, that sometimes he kindly backed off a little bit. But this study tonight might give you the understanding that why he done it. And I'm not really certain, but I'm going to speculate a little bit and allow you to get that understanding maybe for yourself. Because what we're going to look at tonight is going to be, we, we went down through uh, chapter 5, down through 16, talking about women that were older and their needs and how the assembly could help them. And then we talked, and then Paul was telling Timothy about the younger women that maybe lost their husbands for some reason or other and was uh, still maybe of childbearing age and was looking for uh, a mate rather than being so much entwined in the Word of God. And so, you know, all these things together gives gives one thought for the time the time that this was written, the time frame, but we've already understood that uh, Paul was talking about the latter times or the latter days. So, we're going to keep that in mind, too, or we need to keep that in mind. And, uh, and so we're going to take up with two things, with uh, men... We're, we're, this, this study is going to go through, not tonight, but, well, it'll be, uh, four or five studies, I guess, or maybe about four or five studies in this up to chapter six, too. But the, uh, the structure here talks about men or elders from 17 through 20 in chapter five. And then their charge is 521 through 25. And then it gets into the chapter 6. 
In 6, 1 and 2 talks about bond servants. And then the last part of 6, 2 is their charge. So Paul is going to uh, give you the ups and downs of these verses. But we're going to deal tonight with probably 17 uh, through 19. And... uh, and it's a little bit of an eye-opener. If you've never read it, this, like I said, a study or so ago, the material that's in chapter 5 of First Timothy is not really uh, written for uh, too much for study uh, for... Uh, things that you would find in a a minister's sermon that it's uh, it's there for instructions more than anything else but it's there uh, to allow one to see how things were in those days somewhat and these two or three verses might open your eyes a little bit if you've never looked at them to read them and get some kind of an understanding of them. And I don't want to take a lot of time, but let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and get involved in it. So we left off dealing with a woman, a widow, and uh, and for the men to take care of the women and. And let there not be a real a charge from the assembly to take care of them, but they should be able to be kind of self-sufficient in that. And we'll leave that uh, con- contained in, in the last couple of studies. But now here we are in 17 of 1 Timothy. And it says this, Let the elders... That rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So here Paul is talking about double honor to the individuals that take up this mysterious truth and this word of God. Because here he is, if he's got a household to take care of and to deal with, and maybe servants in that, or bond servants, or uh, others that uh, may have been brought into this man's care, uh, then he he can get... Uh, probably double honor as it said here because he would have to deal with his household one way and then he'd have to deal with those of his household another way as far as teaching and and teaching the law and the understanding of the word uh, because uh, in days past you know, they dealt with the law. And if you remember, two or three studies ago, we talked about this blind man that was healed by Christ. 
and 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 these uh, Jews were there, and they wanted to question the mom and dad of this man. He'd been laying there uh, blind for years in the street, where they'd take him out and he'd, he'd beg alms for him from them, I guess. And they want to, who did this? And so uh, the father and mother said, well, he's, he's of age, ask him. And so they did. And he spoke for himself. And he said, this man, Jesus, allowed me to see. And he said, he said, well, where is he? He said, I don't know, but he healed me. And uh, I said, well, how do you do it? Well, I don't really know how he done it, but now I can see. And so they they figured out, well, and they had heard the law on this. And they had heard it, it told to them that no one could heal the blind eye unless he was of God. And said, well, and so the blind guy said, well, he's of God, I suppose. And uh, he said, well, we don't know this man you tell about. We we know Moses. And we know what Moses could do, but we can't. You know, we, we it's, it's just hard to believe that this man could do this. And he said, well... That's your problem, basically. But he said, this Jesus caused me to see again. And he said, if you want to know any more than that, you're going to have to go and ask him, I guess. In so many words. And so, well, this was kind of the way the law got to be. Well, we know Moses, and we've heard the law, but without Moses and without the law, we don't see how anybody else can have that kind of power. Well, here we are. Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Okay. This is verse 17. I'm going to read you my notes. And it says, Let the elders, or allow the elders, and that's indicating an official position, such as one of the Sanhedrin, or of the Council of Seventy. It could be a bishop, or an overseer, but a believer. One one that believes one that believes God. Also, we know that this uh, also they had people that were called business elders and preaching elders. People that took care of the business of the congregation or the assembly 
and people who would get into the Word and expound upon the Word. And so, I made a point in my notes that all should be able to teach, but some did not so much. And when I say that, I want to go back to 1 Timothy 3 for just a minute and make this clear. I want to look at 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. We've been over it. And it says, This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. It didn't say yes to teach. He says apt to teach. He, he probably would have the will within him to teach. Could if the need arose. Yeah. Not given to wine, no striker, no greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a baller, and not covetous, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. So this is this is what a bishop or an overseer was supposed to do, but they were also apt to teach the Word of God, the Logos, the good news. Well, so when we read Timothy 3, 1, 2, 3, we talked about ruling well, to be counted worthy. And that word is actually, it's God's call as to who he is or is not worthy. And we could go back to Acts 15 and look at this word double honor. Because God would honor a man who cares for his own the way he should and that he cares for God's people the way he should. Okay. And this is the reason it's called double honor. Having charge of your own household is one thing, but teaching the word is another matter altogether. Why? As many seen what happened to the prophets. Whoa, wait a minute, Cease. You talking about a prophet, a speaker of God, one who speaks for God, yeah. What happened to most of them? They all got killed. They killed them. Whenever the prophet spoke things that wasn't in the law and they didn't understand because they hadn't looked at the word enough or the law enough to realize what it was there for. They had a problem. Was it Stephen so, who asked them what, which of the prophets have you not taken? Slain? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And here it is, a man that's got his household, no telling how much uh, land and stuff he's got and what it's worth. He might think twice before he took up 
the two different things is household or teaching the Word of God. Well, that kind of gives you an understanding maybe why Paul bore down on Timothy quite often. And he says, he told Timothy, he said, don't let, don't let your youth get in the way. Don't, what you're looking at, you be, you be careful because many of these prophets were young people. And I think sometimes maybe Timothy saw that and kind of helped back a little bit. He wouldn't, he wouldn't full throttle. We'll put it that way. And so, Paul had to crank him up a little bit, or had to had to stir up his memory again to do that. So, would that sound reasonable to you and me? It sounded pretty reasonable to me, because the next verse we get into is going to explain all this to a point. And I never thought about what God would use to explain it until now. But it kind of floored me when I read it. And it should do people that way. That when you pick up on something that you did not understand before of God's Word, then it's told you something. You've learned something. It, it has become a tool for you and me, even in this day and age as we try to teach the word rightly divided. Okay, so here we are. Let me finish my let me finish my notes. Okay, talking about teaching the word is another matter altogether. As many seen what happened to the to the prophets, especially they who labor in the Word, which is the Logos, uh, the very saying or the saying spoken of or written uh, as the account given. So when you have Scripture that is written there, you can't argue too much with that. You know, we, we went back in, I believe it was 1st Timothy 4, where it talked about the six things you could understand of God. Well, one of them was the written word. But these guys that were, some of them were Pharisees and some of them were Sadducees, and they didn't know scripture all that well. A lot of them didn't. Wanted to, but uh, they didn't do all the things that, that the Lord wanted them to do. So the the logos is the 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 word or saying spoken or written and the account given. Why it was why it was put there. Okay, that's logos. That's the good news. Okay, now. In five, the rest of five seventeen talks about doctrine. Well, the word for doctrine, when I looked it up, was the word rima. 
R-H-E-M-A, Rima. That which is an outward form made up of parts of speech which is now or will be in the future. So when you're teaching the Word and you get understanding, that can get you into trouble. Because it's not law. It's not written in the law. You can't go back and prove it. And we're going to look at this next verse of Scripture and it's going to, it's going to jump out at you kind of like, well, I've never seen this. Or never understood it this way. But that's, that is the double honor that's been promised here to a man if he takes care of his family and then he takes care of the assembly of God. If he's a bishop, or wants the office of a bishop, or wants the office of an overseer, then he's kind of putting his he's kind of putting himself in jeopardy a little bit, because God's word can expand in your mind just like you blowing up a balloon with air. And that's what it's supposed to do. It was to point people to Jesus Christ. That's what the law was given for. Was to point the Israelite people to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds reasonable. You see, some of it was written and some of it is used just like a preacher would get up in a church somewhere or a pastor would get up and say, okay, this is what I think about it. Or this is how I see it. Well, that didn't go over too big. And so we'll look at that. Okay. Now, there are four or five places that... Uh, Jack wants to look at, but I'm going to read the Koine Greek out of the Koine Greek into the English, and then we're going to look at Jack's notes, and then we'll look at these four or five places, two in Hebrews, two in Acts, and one in Second Timothy. It says, the well who takes the lead Leaders of double honor, let be counted worthy, especially those laboring in word and teaching. That was out of the Koine Greek, the way it was written. And it says, well, in the, in the new, more modern English, it says, well, those elders who take the lead let be counted worthy of double honor, especially those laboring in word and teaching. It says, Some elders were more forthright to take the lead in teaching as well as in other things. Those who volunteered to teach did not necessarily abandon 
the other more menial labors. Teaching in those situations was not an easy job. The teaching sessions were much longer than now. Further, teachers were expected to deal with all questions as well as the people bringing them up. Not only this, but one who aspires to teach must be apt to teach, whether it be in a formal session or just happenstance meetings wherein the opportunity to teach might arise. So, Paul is telling Timothy, you don't know what kind of situation you're going to be in, but buddy, you better be able to answer the questions of the people when they ask you, because that's what the prophets got into. And they're going to ask. <laughs> and and, and, and their, their end didn't, didn't turn out too good. Okay, so we have said that, and I want to look at two places in Acts, two places in Hebrews, and one place in Timothy. And so we're going to start with Acts. Let's turn back to Acts uh, chapter 4. And this is what... Uh, This is what Jack wanted us to look at. In Acts chapter 4, we're going to read verses 3 through 6 and 4. And this is uh, well, let's just read through 1, one through 6. And it says, And as they spoke unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Oh, okay. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for now it was eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and a number of the men was about five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And the question was, when they had set them in the mess, they asked what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter answered him. By what name have you done this thing? That was not, that was not a normal part of their things that they heard by the law that was given to Moses. Because when you name Jesus Christ here, that these guys that we just named here in this scripture didn't that didn't go along with them too well. Okay. Now let's look at 
Let's just turn two or three pages over to 1542. 1592, I'm sorry. 1592. Got to where I can't read my writing again. Okay, chapter 7, and we're going to look at 15 and 16. This is talking about uh, Joseph and Joseph's kindred. And said, Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him and all his kindred. They was three score and fifteen souls, seventy-five people. So Jacob went down into Egypt and died. He and our fathers, and they were carried over to Sichem and laid in the sepulcher of Abraham that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor and the father of Sichem. So, here was a burial process where Joseph uh, went down and he buried uh, he buried his father and he buried him on the land that was bought. Uh, by Abraham for a sum of money. So this again is if you don't have the if you don't have the word that you can be buried in somebody else's grave, then I guess the law has something to do with that is to tell you that you got to get the, you got to be get the proper burial. But that's what that was saying there. But he didn't do it on happenstance. He did it because he was able to do that. Okay, the next two. Let's go to, let's go to Hebrews and, and look at, look at this. We want to go to Hebrews three. And uh, after the book of James, or is it before the book of James? Before the book of James. Okay. In Hebrews 3, is where we're going to start off with. And we're going to look at 1 through 3 in Hebrews 3. It says, Wherefore, holy brother, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So here he is now called in Hebrews, called the high priest, of our profession, who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses insomuch as who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. 
So here he is telling these people, these young people that came out of the wilderness journey, and most of them didn't know a lot about the traditions of the elders or the law either one. So we find here talking about Moses was faithful and he considered Christ Jesus being the apostle and the high priest of our profession. So he said God has chosen us to do his work. And that's, that, that's what he's getting at here. So they, they didn't have much of a, a leg to stand on there. Then we want to go to chapter 13 and look at 7 and 8 of Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. chapter 13 of Hebrews it says let's start at 5 it said let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have for you he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, and here it is that Paul is telling to these young Hebrews, he said, he made the statement of the written word, and now he says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faithful follow considers the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay. So you see, when you add... Scripture there, written Scripture that's been written down that these people could understand or hear and know they didn't have a question with it. Okay, so let's go back and look at Second Timothy for just a minute. One place in Second Timothy. We're going to look at two. Second Timothy 2. Twenty-four, twenty-five, and twenty-six. That's on page eighteen, twelve. If you have a companion Bible, he said, "And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle 
unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And boy, that's that that's the big one right there. So when the Holy Spirit goes dealing with people, uh, they can certainly do a lot of funny things. It says, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that would that would just wipe the slate clate slate clear and give you an understanding to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at Satan's will. That's how it works, folks. You can be have the best intentions in the world, but if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, then Satan is not going to be far away from you either. He's going to be right there doing his part. Okay. So we read those things, and this is what we saw. We saw for a fact that a man could get double honor if he's in God's Word with his family and with everybody that he deals with and can answer their questions and can teach them from the law and teach them from just regular words that shows them that there's more to it than what they've heard. Now, next verse. Let me get back to First Timothy five. One five. Chapter five. Verse eighteen. And there's a lot that goes with this verse of scripture. In verse eighteen is the example of verse 17. Let me read it to you. Now, the King James Version. For the Scripture saith, you can't argue with the Scripture. It may not be to you, but it is for you and me so that we can see what we're talking about here. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and, now, that Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. That is a Scripture from other places. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in my notes. But there's an and there. And this is, and this is, uh, the good news 
or the Rama, the, the words of man that he speaks that gives it meaning. The, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. One thing is not hard to understand, but the other part is a little iffy because that was done by Paul himself. Okay? Anybody have any problem with that? Okay, let's go on. I'm going to read my notes. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out or ploweth the corn. That, my friend, is Logos. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 9.9 and also you'll find it in Deuteronomy. It's part of the law. Well, why did he say that? How does that help us understand what they were being told as part of the law? Okay, let's read on. And Rema is the doctrine or the teaching where it says the laborer is worthy of his reward. But you can still find part of that or most of it in Matthew 10.10. But it's not in bold letters in your companion Bible. Okay, so you got two things here. You got two things here. The muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. So people in those days, they would help each other with their crops. Some people probably had planted stuff that they didn't have the oxen or the animals to work out their crops with. So one, one, just think about this now. One neighbor would have corn that needed to be plowed out, but he didn't have none to plow it with. And the other had the ox and had the time to plow it for him. Well, God always taught that you should treat your neighbor as yourself. But what if the neighbor said, Listen, when you plow my corn, I'm going to sit here with a quill pen, and I'm going to count the stalks that he bites off as he goes through plowing your Plowing my corn, and he says at the end of it, I'm going to charge you for what your what your ox eat. But God said this because that it wouldn't put enmity between neighbors for one thing, 
And for the other thing, <clears throat> both of them were going to profit from it. Even, even the ox. And God takes care of his animals. And so Paul was making the statement here out of his Koine Greek of that time and saying to Timothy, remember Timothy, the laborer is worthy of his reward. Just like the ox was worthy of what he eat yeah. while he was working out that cornfield. Yeah. Can you see that? Can you, can you reason it out that God is taking care of his animals and he's taking care of his people that he has already written and say, you know, look at your neighbor as yourself. What if the shoe was on the other foot? You would, you know, there shouldn't be any exchange there. If, but we're supposing this now. I'm doing it right here, right now. Just like Paul supposed it to tell Timothy to remember the labor is worthy of his reward. Whatever it is, whether man gives it to him or whether God gives it to him. He should be paid for what he does. Okay. There is 20 or 21 places here that Jack wants you to look at. And he do not, he does not want you to forget the subject matter here. Because it was in, it was in the law that you not muzzle your animal, when you went to the field to use him for labor because he was worthy of whatever it was that he bit off and eat while he was walking along. So, does that give you a pretty good understanding of why God put that in Scripture? You know, it. it it's all there for a reason. Well, the logos, the good news that we get sometimes is not expanded upon because God doesn't tell us every little item that that could could be in in a situation. We just read that in all these verses of scripture with these widow woman, and here is the answer to all that. That if she was worthy and she believed God, she ought to be taken care of and God would make the return. God would, 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 would deal with the people that, that helped the widow woman and also her in return. And I thought, boy, this was a beautiful, beautiful verse of scripture to give. For the purpose of just that, that he, that God is he, all the things here on this earth are God's, and they are His, and He's just given us, He's just given us these things, or allowed us to use these things 
for his will and purpose if we would do that. And the, the verse that says uh, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him kind of comes yes. to mind too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it's in this bunch of scripture yeah, that I've got. Probably here. Is. Okay. How much time we got left? It's nine twenty three. Oh boy. I mean I get through all that. <laughs> Yeah, you get your work cut out for you to do 20 of them. Okay. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 25. That's Deuteronomy 20. And I didn't take my notes out because some of these things wind up in the two different things winds up in the, in the, Right close to the same one. Deuteronomy 25.4 says this. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. And he just been talking about 40 stripes. He may give someone and not exceed. And Paul used that. Paul said he was beat with rods five times with 40 stripes, save one, I believe, if I remember that correctly. And, uh, and that goes with the next verse of Scripture, believe it or not. So, you know, the beating of somebody or you bring a charge against somebody and you said, well, you can't do it unless it's from two or three witnesses. Because that's your word against his if it's one to one. But with it's more than one, if there's a problem there, then they can take it to the magistrate or the judge or Whoever to make that kind of a determination. Okay. We want to go from Deuteronomy to Matthew. Seems like a long ways over, but here we are. We want to go to Matthew 21. Okay, we got this one. Matthew 21. 41. Now there was a uh, somebody that had a uh, vineyard uh, in 34 let's see Let's start at 34, so we're not going to get very far in these, but maybe we'll see it enough to, to realize what we're talking about. It said, when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husband took his servants, and he beat one, and he killed another, and he stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first, 
and they did unto them likewise. And last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will revenge, no, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto these husbandmen? They said unto him, He will miserably destroy these wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits of their, of their seasons. And Jesus said unto them, Did you never read the Scriptures? Okay, he's going to read the law to them. Christ is. The stone which the builder rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. You got any problem with that? Christ knew. There's somewhere down the line, their place is going to be taken from them and given to somebody that he didn't, that they didn't even know. Okay? Sometimes I have to go a little further than I mean to 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 get the gist of the story. But here we are. Now that was, that was Matthew 21. Okay. We're going to go to Matthew 22, 12. That's probably on the next page if you have a companion Bible. It would be. And here's another one. Um, that the kings, some of the king's people were getting married. And, uh, uh, and so he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden are not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid, to the marriage. So these servants went out to the highways, gathered together as many as was found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which hath not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And the Pharisees took counsel 
that they might entangle him in his talk with Christ. So this is this is some things that they hear and realize that people can get into situations that they didn't even know they were going to be involved in. And that happens lots of times, especially in this day and time. Okay, that's another one in Matthew. And the third one is... uh, We're going to look at Matthew 10.10. Let's back up a little bit and look at Matthew 10.10. Because this is another one that needs to be looked at. Talking about the twelve and Christ. Verse 5 said, The twelve Jesus sent forth, commanding them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, or into any city of the Samaritans, enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have, freely have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass, in your purchase, no script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Just like the ox was. Huh? Just like the ox was. Yeah. yeah. So here was where they went as Jesus sent them, and they, they didn't have to take anything with them. But then later on, changed marching. it changed marching orders. And he said, but now, but now take everything is. with you. Okay. He said, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the middle of wolves there. Okay, I guess we're about out of time. Let me run. Yep, 9.33. But we've read enough going into this to see and to realize how all this works. It says to fear God. And it always says in in the early scriptures to fear God because He's the one that has life and death in His hands. We don't know these things because if we had been told that we only have up to a point, that's like Someone getting sentenced to death in the in the prison, and he's sitting there dreading this all this time till the time is at hand that he's going to be put down. Well, Christ had piety, and his piety was we're one letter away from pity because early. On in Genesis, we were put in opposition to the war that God was having with Satan because of what Satan done in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. 
And so, how was he going to show mankind how great his love was, this agape love that he had, and all this grace that he could render out from himself in the Godhead? How was that going to work upon the minds of God if they didn't have the opposition against them? To see the difference between God and Satan. So that's where we get the word pity from. Because when God put the enmity between the seeds. It was a pitiful situation for mankind. Because man was up against a being that was much more powerful than he was. And in order for him to overcome, he was going to have to believe God and get God on his side in order for him to survive. And so this, what we've been talking about here tonight is just that. And he said, I can take care of my animals. If they, if they go by and grab a top out of a stalk of corn, Ain't nobody going to count that against them. Mm-hmm. Ain't going to go out and beat that animal at the end of the day after he's, after he's worked all day for that. Well, we read here in Matthew where, where Jesus Christ said, sometime there's going to be one. Yeah, it's going to be that someday your place will be taken from you. Be given to another nation. Acts twenty-eight, twenty-eight. Acts twenty-eight, twenty-eight. You see, you can find it in Scripture, but if somebody just went and said, "Well, look, all this that God promised to Israel, it's it's going to go away. He's going to set them aside somewhere." Well. If you don't know why and how in the reasoning for this, because something better was now being offered. And this is what Paul's saying. And he's saying it to Timothy, Timothy, you're going to have to take my place, buddy. And you're going to have to do and teach all of this to show mankind that the body of Christ is not going to come to them unless they heed the words of, of you and others that have understood this and that they can be converted and saved. Because it's already in, in Scripture that they're going to lose it. They just they never really much thought they didn't think too much about that, I guess, when Christ said that. Because so they didn't believe Him too much. Even Him. Or that if they had it, they wouldn't have crucified Him. Yeah. But you see, Christ was giving them enough information to say that my... F- and, and in this next verse that we're going to get into, next time, it says, My Father is one witness... I'm the other witness. 
you can't rail upon us. And so that's 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 the big deal to this whole the ox going through the corn and eating the tops out of it. Because if he eat the top out of one at time that it was tousling, the other stalk next to it would fertilize it anyway. And it and it would still have it would still have a growth of corn on it. So may the Lord bless you and we'll pick it up again next time and go on and we might read <coughs> some more of these and we might not, but I'll, I'll bring it up that well, some of these we didn't read because of the, of the time element. But in order to get into it and to see why that was there, and I'd read it more times than one because it's it's written in Scripture more places than one. When Grandma and I was reading it, I thought about it because she always got somebody to go into her crops and what she called lay them by. And she would get somebody with a mule down there, and that mule occasionally would grab a corn stalk. And my Grandma, when it all got done and the stalk started drying up, that that little place of hers was only five acres, but we didn't have corn in all five acres. We had about an acre and a half of corn. She'd get up there with a knife, and we'd cut them tops out of that corn, and she would take a ball of twine. We'd twine them things up, put them in shocks in the, in there, and because when I first got there, she was milking two cows. That was the big part of her earnings. And she also had chickens that laid eggs. Grandpa wasn't able to work. But she'd get that, she'd keep that little farm going. And she'd cut them tops. And generally, she would pay the people for doing her corn and plowing her corn and plowing it up in the spring with the tops and the fodder off them stalk. When you went into her field, there was a stalk of corn sticking up there, and it had maybe two ears on it. It wasn't nothing above it. wasn't nothing below it, because all that had been done up and been kept for cow feed or the mule that treaded out her corn. And I remember that just like it was yesterday. And so I realized then that it was there for a reason, but I didn't know what the reason was for. But I found out this last week or two what the reason was. So thank you for so much for listening, and I hope you got something from it. I was trying to get through all that, but I just had more there than I could do in the hour that we uh, normally have. But hopefully... You see the difference between Rima and Logos. One, you can back up with Scripture. And the other one, you can just embellish what you've got already. And But lots of times people won't look at that embellishment 
as being scripture. They just look at it as that being your thought. But if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and talking through you, you need to be careful. You need to listen to it and judge what's being said. God bless you. Thank you so much.